Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 393 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So thrilled that you are here with me today as I'm speaking to Uzma Jalaladeen, who was absolutely delightful. You are going to love this interview. We talk about reclaiming your brain from social media and a whole lot more. Stick around. Um, She is a new friend and this is a great interview. What's been going on around here? Well, uh, just a lot of writing, a lot of nano writing been writing that book on being kind to yourself as a writer. And I must say, I found a fantastic use case for AI. I asked people, writers who were on my mailing list to tell me the things that they struggle with most so that I can make sure I don't miss the big things that I want to be in this book. I asked about emotions and fears and struggles and joys. And I got a lot of responses and I got so many responses that I got a little bit overwhelmed. And I thought, how am I going to parse all of this information? I can read each answer, which of course I did and I do, but then my brain you know, loses track of, did this answer sound like that answer? What's the difference between her answer and his answer? And so I'm asking ChatGPT, to do an analysis on these answers to collate and um, list out very clearly what is said, but in kind of like a bullet-pointed, organized way. Because the way those kind of questionnaires come in, they're not organized in any way, shape, or fashion. And I could do that, but it would take a long time. And ChatGPT just did this. I will say that ChatGPT sometimes doesn't listen, even though I say, here's the list to analyze. It gave me a list of things that just seemed really generic. And I said, after I got that, after I got that answer, I said, did you get that from the list? And ChatGPT, I don't know if you've had this experience, but says, oh, oh, my bad. Sorry. Sorry. No, I just thought you wanted um, a generic answer. Here's what I'm going to do from looking at the list. So, and then you can cross reference against it to make sure that it is pulling from the data that you gave it to get the information that you want. But for me, it was such an easy, fast way of making sure that all voices are heard and that I get to see everything. Oh yeah. Again, I'm reading everything on the forms, but then that my brain isn't dropping pieces that I don't want to drop, which is really cool. I was just playing with that this morning in between writing sessions. I'm about to go into another writing session with a group of NaNoWriMo writers that I have been playing with over in the Slack channel. You can always join the Slack channel, y'all. You can come play if you're doing NaNo. You can come join my Slack channel for free. If you're not doing NaNo, there's a lot of chat over there about writing. And the link is always in the show notes. So you can just go there and go to my Slack channel and hang out with us. It's really cool. Please do that. Other than that, I've just had some health things this week. Uh, All went well. And I just have to say that I love New Zealand because I was able to get the almost impossible and very expensive medicine that I need in order to have other medical procedures done. Um, I have this weird genetic condition, which makes my body overreact to things in a life-threatening way. And I was never, ever able to get the treatment I needed in the States because the condition was so um, not understood. It's still not understood here. Nobody has this, but um, 
but there are a couple of people who understand it and they can get me the help I need. And it was, it was great to, I'm, I'm, I'm not being cagey, um, on purpose. I, <laughs> I had a colonoscopy, just a routine colonoscopy, but that is the kind of thing that can kill me if I don't get the medicine I need beforehand. So, uh, <laughs> all is well. And that's why I'm not talking about it too much, but it was, it was not fun. It was a couple of days, um, with the pre-treatment and then <laughs> the treatment, uh, of not that much fun. And I, Still got some writing done. I still, that's what I love about Nano is that Nano challenges us to get words. Here's the thing that I've been talking with over in the Slack, uh, talking with my um, Nano writers about and with in Slack. Nano Rimo reminds me of one of the most important things that I need to do for my own writing self. I need to remember that in my first draft, I am only getting words. And if I give myself a word count and I am physically able to move my fingers and sit up at a desk, then I will always hit that goal. It is always doable. It is always gettable. And that is always gettable and doable for you. So if you set yourself a goal of 1,000 words, if you're doing it the NaNoWriMo way at any time of the year, you will get your words because here's the thing. NaNoWriMo does not care about quality at all, at all, at all. And I think I blew a couple of people's minds over in the Slack when I showed them what I was writing, which is basically I was writing about um, Ira Glass's theory of the gap, which I love. And I put on the page because I wasn't able, to, I, I had locked myself into this program I love called Cold Turkey Writer, so I couldn't go check anything. And I paraphrased his quote, but then I just had fun with it. I'm like, Ira Glass says this, you probably didn't say it that way, but I'm going to make this up and I'm going to do this later. And Rachel, you're doing great. Keep going. Uh, make up this quote. Yay. I have no idea what I'm writing now. Okay. Onward. Where was I? Those words count. Those are words that count toward your thousand words for the day or your 2000 words for the day or whatever your personal goal is. We slow down and we stop getting words when we worry about quality. And the worry about quality, of course, comes up every few seconds. And getting used to producing a quantity of words, not quality of words, is what allows us to get more words on the page and then allows us to find the actual beautiful stuff in there. Uh, the other day, while I was doing some of the medical stuff, I decided to write and I was just in a terrible headspace, but I wanted to get some words. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote and I wrote just garbage. And then about 10 or 15 minutes into the writing exercise where I was just trying to get words, they did not make sense. I changed directions every few sentences I expressed frustration on the page, including sentences that were like, what am I doing? What am I even trying to say? You've got this. Keep going. Those words count. That counts to my, toward my word count. Here's why. Because 10 or 15 minutes in, the idea came that I hadn't seen coming, that I was not going to include. And then, then I wrote and I had so much fun for the rest of my time. And I never would have found that if I had just allowed myself to get up and move away. All I was trying to do was get words any words, terrible words without thought of quality. Again, as soon as I start to think about quality, I get tight and I might get a hundred words or 200 words, and then it's just too hard. And then I got to walk away. So if you, no matter whether you're doing nano or not, try doing some writing with literally zero regard for quality. That's where the magic comes in. And that's how books get done. All right. That's uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today. I want to also tell you about Uzma here. Uzma Jalaluddin is the author of Ayesha at Last and 
Hannah Kahn carries on. A high school teacher, she is also a Toronto Star columnist and a contributor to The Atlantic. Her first novel was optioned for film by Pascal Pictures, and her second novel was optioned for film by Kaling International and Amazon Studios. She lives in Toronto, and Much Ado About Nada is her most recent release. Please enjoy this fabulous interview with Uzma, and I will talk to you soon. Get some of your own writing done, and then come tell me about it. I would love to hear. Here we go. Hey, would you like to come write with me, with my writing community? At Rachel Says Write, we write together twice a week, every Monday and Wednesday from 5 to 7 Pacific Time, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. We say hi and chat the tiniest little bit, and then together we write. It's truly magical the amount of words we get done together. You want to check it out with a week's free trial to see how it might work for you? Just go to rachelheron.com, Rachel Says Write, to join us. All right. Well, I am so pleased to welcome you to the show. Would you please share your name and your pronouns with us? Sure. My name is Uzma Jalaldeen and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Uzma, it's such a pleasure to have you. We were just bonding over the fact that you were just in New Zealand and actually probably (laughs) I might've been in the States while you're here. I was gone for a couple of weeks in August, but I'm very glad that you enjoyed this country. Love New Zealand. I want to go back. (laughs) People are so friendly and the views are just stunning. And now you have a friend in Wellington. So That's right. <laughs> come, come back. All right. So on this show, we talk about writing process, which is always a kind of thing that I want to jump to um, and talk to all writers about. And you are prolific and you get stuff done. Can you please tell me how you get your writing done? <laughs> how does it happen? What's your writing it's, process? It's, it's funny you should say that because I don't consider myself prolific at all. Like sometimes no. I, no, because I, so, so my first three novels, actually my first four novels ha, and I've only written four. So don't, you know, uh, audience don't get excited. Uh, and and uh, they're all romance. And I feel like in this particular genre, uh, I write specifically romantic comedies, but in, in romance in particular, I feel like people write really fast. Like they'll yeah, they'll true. write two books a year, three books a year, and I'm coming up with a book every two years if I'm lucky. Uh, though I have though this past year, I, 2022, 2023 has been a bit of a banner year. I've released two books in 2023, so I guess I'm getting a little faster. Yeah, and um, you're with Berkeley, yeah. is that right? Well, I'm with a whole bunch of different people. So my my books are primarily my uh, they're published in by HarperCollins Canada in Canada, and it by Berkeley in the the US, uh, and by Atlantic in the UK, and Corvus in New Zealand, and, and yeah, just a whole bunch of different publishers, and of course the translations. Um, so for, my, for people listening mm-hmm. who are new to this and, and might not understand that, I just want to say props to your agent for keeping world rights because what you were then able to do is to sell your books into different countries to no, different publishers. No, I not wish. like that. No. So oh, what happened it. was my um this actually goes back to 2017 when I was trying to f- uh, publish my very first novel I shot last. And it was a very different time in publishing. I think it was a very different time in the world. Uh, But specifically in publishing, that was when uh, we need more diverse books. We, you know, hashtag own voices. All of those movements were kind of like really taking up the banner for greater diversity across all lines in publishing. But it was still like the movement was still in its infancy. So people were kind of like still in the talking about it, but not really doing anything about it, in my opinion. Uh, or they were just kind of quite a bit there too (laughs) the cusp of that so my agent uh tried hard to to interest uh first i'm canadian but um my agent is american so she tried hard to interest an american 
publisher and, and I got the, you know, the, the required number of rejections that every writer has to get used to because writing is all about being rejected and then trying again. Uh, and then we were, we were contacted by uh, uh, basically HarperCollins Canada through their hat in the ring and really fell in love. Uh, my, my editor there, Jennifer Lambert is fantastic. And um, she put an offer in. And so they actually had world rights. So because Canada is a pretty small territory, what they do is that they then partner and they they turn around and they kind of serve as the agent and sell uh, rights. So they sold the rights to Berkeley. They sold the rights to. And of course, I, I they take a bit of a cut, but I keep most of it. But yes. not in money. It goes against my advance. So it's kind of all complicated, weird publishing um accounting which like would not make sense to anyone outside of publishing but i think you explained that really really clearly i've had i've had both things happen and most recently with penguin and it always really makes me feel so funny when i'm like i'm not i'm with penguin us but not penguin uk but i'm published with penguin uk because they sold it to penguin uk but we didn't see any money but it went against the royalties so if that is yeah. confusing to anyone listening it's okay publishing <laughs> accounting is a mystery to yeah. many of us um, and uh, and then my fourth novel is actually co-written and it's it's coming out in the US and Canada actually in a couple of weeks uh, so it, it's a co-written multi-faith holiday rom-com I wrote it with Marissa Stapley and that was directly sold to Penguin and, and they, what is the title rights. of that uh, it's called Three Holidays and a Wedding I love that who is your editor thank you um, there uh, Tara Singh Carlson I don't know okay that's cool all right. Well, I will try to coincide this podcast release with the release of that. Yay. Holiday stories coming. I love that. Okay. So going back to the question, how do you, how, where and how do you write? Where does it happen? How does it happen? Well, it happens right here, actually. This is my my office uh, in, in my basement. Uh, my earlier, when I was, was first starting out, I would write all over the place. I didn't really have like a designated writing space. And I think I was just a function of like having young children and kind of always being on the go, because in addition to being a writer, I'm also a high school teacher. So I would write in coffee shops on my way home from work. I'd stop off at a, you know, like our, our uh, Canadian, popular Canadian chain is called Second Cup. It's like the Starbucks. Mm -hmm. I would stop off there and write or I'd go to libraries and write or when my kids were like taking some kind of a class, a fitness class or a recreation class, I'd be, I'd be the parent who wouldn't pay attention to what their kid was doing and just be like typing away. <laughs> Someone will let They're... you know them if they need you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they, they knew the drill. Um, and, uh, and then as, as I kind of progressed and then what, what happens as you, you start writing a lot is that your eyes just deteriorate. Okay. So you need to <laughs> invest in some quality sunglasses, quality glasses. So I have like my, my, my readers and my progressives and, you know, it's got, just, yeah, I've got, yeah, yeah. That, all over the desk. Happened way too, different. Yeah. yeah. It happened way too soon. So I needed a big monitor and I needed like the ergonomic keyboard. Cause you, when you start writing tens of thousands of words in a really short amount of time, your wrists start to go. Uh, so <laughs> it was really important to get all of that. So, uh, so I set up shop in, you know, we live in a small house in a suburb outside of Toronto and we set up shop uh, in my basement office and uh, it's a, you know, small space. I have my, can't see it, but I have my bookcase over there. I've got a bulletin board with some ideas up there behind me. I share the office with my husband's uh, computer. So <laughs> it's not a very nice view, but it, it works. So now when you, you've got the kids and you've got the teaching, wh um, when do you fit that in? Are you an early morning writer or do you write at night when everybody's quieter? How do you, how do you manage that? I'm a needs must writer. So I feel, 
<laughs> I feel like a lot of, I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone, but for me, like writing is kind of an itch that I need to scratch. And it, depending on where I am in the writing, drafting, rev revision process, um, that itch will be very, very strong and, I'll, and it'll pull me out of bed at five in the morning, even though I'm not a morning person, despite being a, a teacher, not a good trait. Um, <laughs> and I will, you know, spend my the first hour of my day basically drafting or whatever. Um, but mo for the most part, I find more mornings are very stressful because I have to get out as a teacher. I have to get out on the road quite early in order to make it to class on time because my school starts early. I have to get the kids out the door and, you know, my husband helps as well. Um, so I, I, I tend to be a bit of a in the past year, at least I started writing a lot at night. So after everyone was kind of done, kind of settled, everyone, you know, dinner, we, we had eaten dinner. We were good. Um, I would disappear into the basement and write from eight to 12, eight to 11. Uh, and, and then sometimes in the afternoons, if I could, um, uh, after I, I came home from, from school and if I wasn't, you know, my husband and I will trade off cooking duties. So if I'm not cooking that night, I'll, I'll put it in an hour or so. So it still was, is kind of like a bit of a patchwork quilt of, of that. And of course, as a teacher, I get school holidays off. So my summers, I always joke that, you know, I get, I take the, uh, our, our uh, Canada day is July 1st. So the school, school year runs from September to June. I'll take the July 1st long weekend off. And then I work every day until I go back to school. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. That's a nice system. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it is a nice because teaching is exhausting yeah. and you actually need some time to recover from the burnout of every single school year. Uh, so what happened was I just pushed that off and I worked straight through three summers and not, and I actually burned out a little bit. So mm. uh, it wasn't good. And I, I worked through Christmas holidays, you know, the spring break, all of that. Uh, but that's what you have to do when you're juggling multiple careers. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And teachers, especially, oh my gosh, teachers always say, well, you know, I get the, I get the holidays. I got the school holidays, but you work so much while school is in session. You work yep. so bloody much. Yeah. So. Yeah. You never Amazing. really, it's, it's kind of like being a writer. You don't really yeah. turn it off, you know, like my yeah. teacher brain when, you know, I, I would be listening to a song lyric and being like, oh, that reminds me of this Shakespearean play that I'm talking about in my class. Or I'd watch a movie and be like, that's giving me Macbeth vibes. I'm going to bring that up in my classroom as well. And, you know, you come across like, I don't know, some kind of software or whatever. Like it's all like, just like with the writing ideas, your brain's always churning. Always cross-pollinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Uh, for me, it's uh, plotting and kind of taking the the time and, and to really think through my idea. I think I, I have the tendency to be a pantser. And for listeners who don't know what that means, it's flying by the seat of your pants and not actually, you know, outlining your book. And there are two kind of quasi frenemy camps in, in the writing world, <laughs> though uh, most of us are a bit of both. Uh, I think my natural tendency is to be a pantser because I'm always just so excited when I have the germ of an idea to just leap into it and explore it and, and write. But what I've discovered after becoming a published writer is when I do that, I, I spend a lot of time kind of in the woods and that doesn't work very well when you have a deadline. So <laughs> it saves me so much time, but it's it's kind of like I'm I'm raring to go and I have to, I'm doing it right now, actually. I'm raring to go, but I have to hold myself back and say, no. You have to figure out what happens in the story, at least the broad beats of it before yeah. you dive in. And uh, and I know writers don't do that and they 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 think it's boring because you already know what the story is. But I feel like I the more books I've written, I feel like I have to outline somewhat uh, before I start, get started. So I, and I find it really hard. Like I, I hate I hate that part of it, but Me I need to do too. it. 
We are exactly <laughs> the same in that. And I love that you called it frenemies. I, I always think of it as a spectrum from plotting to pantsing yeah. and, and they are frenemies. Someday I wanted to be friends to lovers. I want like my pantsing soul to meet my plotting brain and like fall in love <laughs> with each other, but it has not happened yet. They're still <laughs> barely fr- thinly veiled. Frenemies. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And, and the your, funny thing, yeah. I, I was going to say the funny thing about that is that even though I outline and I, I feel like I know the story, I'm very eager to like throw it in the trash and just kind of, oh, yes. you know, f- you know, follow it as I, when I'm drafting, I just kind of go off on tangents. So that's my, uh, that that's my, uh, my tragic flaw <laughs> as a writer. <laughs> but there was the thinking that you know. did to, to figure out those major plot points that got you to the place where you could veer off course and now you can do some more thinking and readjust. And I just think it's all, it's not, none of that is ever yes. wasted. Yes. It, it can be frustrating. What is your biggest Very joy when it comes to writing? I actually really enjoy revising. I know, I know that's an un, unpopular opinion. Really? Oh my oh, God. The we're best. the same person. The, we are the same person. <laughs> it is, it is my happy place. I hate first drafts and I love revision. The first, do you feel like this when you're starting a revision that first day, like you sit yeah. down and you go, it's here. <laughs> I I think I just enjoy the the magic of like okay I don't have to come up with the ideas anymore because they're here and even if I'm going to throw the idea out at least I have some words down on paper and now I get to actually just do the fun part of being like well that character would be better served earlier I need to push this forward and move this and I can get rid of this entire plot line entirely and I just love it like I go I get really like scientific about it like I'll 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 like sub um I'll, I'll make a uh, kind of like a, a board full of like cue cards with every every chapter is on a cue card and it's color coordinated and this one follows the character arc and this one follows the conflict arc for this character and that character and I I just turn into a total nerd about it I guess because I get to like geek out over stationery and things like that different <laughs> colors different highlighters different post-it notes post-it um, yes. yeah and then uh, I, I really enjoyed that part of it and then in the end you get to see how you know you took like a first draft which is always very rough like a rough diamond and then you just polish it up and polish it up and it turns into this hopefully something that really gleams and it's always such a surprising uh million miles away from what it was or at least I'm like, yeah always always i, I always that? it always ends up so much stronger than when yeah. you know we started off that's gorgeous can you share a craft tip of any sort with us um yeah so one of the things that i do when i'm revising which is something you know uh that has kind of helped me uh is 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 just you know like i said like following the different arcs of the characters and doing that in a really visual way because i think when you're writing and you're just seeing words on the page um uh i i do like to kind of boil down my story and and you know basically put like uh write down or put it on a computer screen or whatever uh the summary of every single chapter so this is what happens and then i arrange it on my bulletin board and then i kind of stare at it and then when i see it boil down like that i can kind of move things around and see where they really belong um and if you color code it as i said for you know this is what happens with this character and this is what happens with that character i find it it really helps you get to the essence of like the themes that you're trying to explore and um make sure that you really yeah, finishing the arc of that character development or that plot. Uh, it's a really good way of seeing it, seeing like a big project, like a book, which can be so daunting when you get to like past the 100,000 word mark and make it into like, just put it on a, like a big bu- a bulletin board or a poster board or what, you know, I did it, what, did, did this once on the door, or like my closet door once, just a bunch of post-it notes. And it was just really nice to see the book kind of distilled to its, to its parts. So that, that would be my revision tip. 
I love that. It feels so good to be able to have that overview. And it makes me sad for writers who wrote before post-it notes and colored <laughs> index cards because they are so incredibly satisfying. Exactly. Agreed. That. What is the kindest thing that anyone's ever done for you in your writing career? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. And I think uh, one of the kindest things that someone did for me is um, uh, someone who has now become like a very close writer friend. Uh, when I had my, probably my, my, I don't know, my 20th or 15th draft of Aisha at last, which was to become my first published novel. Um, I, I, I had met, um, uh, I, I had met her through a mutual friend. Her name is Asma Zahanat Khan. She's also a writer, except she writes uh, crime and fantasy. She's a fantastic author. Um, I had met her through a mutual friend and I didn't know a lot of published authors at the time. And so she was very kind. We hit it off and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to be brave and ask her if she has, you know, that, this wasn't like a cold call. Like I, I had known her at, at some point, but I asked her if she would be interested in reading my book or reading parts of my book and giving me some feedback. And, you know, we were, we were friendly, but we weren't like extremely good friends. And, and in hindsight, I know that this is something that you shouldn't really ask authors, but we were friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and in my community, there's not a lot of published authors. So I think we were just yeah. excited to meet, you know, another Canadian Muslim South Asian writer. Yeah. Anyways, I asked her to write, to read my book and she, she just went above and beyond. She read my book and she sent back this like three or four page just like gushing about how much she loved it and how much it meant to her personally. I was writing this in 2016, uh, which was like kind of a tough time in the U.S., if you remember. And and I wrote a very joyful, loving uh, romantic comedy about observant Muslims, which I think was really unique in the marketplace. And as a similar observant Muslim, she was like, I really needed this. I needed this right now. And it meant so much to me. And she also gave me excellent feedback and and criticism in an extremely gentle and kind way. And I I found, I actually love that email so much. I printed it out and I used it as kind of like a semi-editorial letter. And I I took a picture and I sent it to her and I was like, I don't know if you remember this, but in December, 2016, I actually think you're one of the reasons why I'm a writer right now, because you took the time to do this extreme kindness and which as a published author, people approach me all the time. And I know how hard it is to like commit to reading someone else's work when you're already so busy. Uh, but she's just an incredibly generous and kind person. And uh, I hope all good things come her way. What did she say when you reminded her of it? She was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but to you, it was the difference between you being a writer and a non-writer. Like, I am sure that that letter produced fuel for you on the days where you didn't know if you could do it, if you if you could keep moving forward, right? Because she I, had I think, said those yeah. things. I, I think I was pretty determined. And I, I think what it did was it made me realize that that uh, the book that I had been working on, that I've been working on at that point for about eight years, like it, it was a it was a long, long haul for me. Um, no, sorry. At that point, it was probably six years uh, that there that she believed that I had what it would take to kind of, you know, try to get it published. Um, and she was a virtual stranger if she'd really hated it. I think she, because we, we didn't know each other, uh, we were in a virtual, we were friendly acquaintances, I would say at that point. Um, I think she would have kindly said it needed more work or, you know, you should focus on this, but instead it was just, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, cause I, I, when people ask me for feedback and if I really don't like something, I always try to be like, I love this, but I think you need to work on this. Um, and she was very kind and she was kind of like, you're a writer. That's what you need to do. And it, it meant so much at the, at the time. It was a thing I needed to hear at that, at that moment. 
I, I, I often mention this, but um, there was an editor that I was friendly with, a uh, traditional editor, and we, but we were friends through the knitting community. And she had seen something I'd written and she wrote an email to me through this knitting website that said, you will be published. And I just, oh, that's so nice. That was that, that those words are still just ring in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the kindest thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Um, I think uh, what, what are the things that I've started doing recently in, in the past year in particular is to uh, delete social media from my phone. So I'll go Hell through yes. periods. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'll go through periods where I will just be like, nope, I'm done with Instagram for a while and I will take it off my phone. And I think for about six months last year, which wasn't good for my DMs because a lot of people try to get in touch with me through my DMs. I just I was like, this is not it was still on my desktop. I mean, you can't really do anything much with Instagram on your desktop, but it was still there. And same with Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Um, I deleted both off my phone and um, I instantly just felt better because I think in our industry as writers, like your people are constantly posting and you don't know what's real and what's fake. And there's always some kind of scandal or drama that's happening. And there's also a a real sense of like, um, how well am I doing compared to other writers, which I think can distract you from the actual work of writing. <laughs> because yeah. as as much as writers want to write, we also just want to be distracted all the time, like everyone else. Yes. Uh, so good. that was, yeah, <laughs> it was one of the kind things I think that I did for myself. Um, and I mean, it, it, it helps that I, I, I grew up kind of, you know, straddling pre-internet and post-internet. And I was like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, kind of that millennial age. So I, I, I still get that, but uh, I think it's really easy to get sucked into the social media madness. And mm-hmm. the, I'm glad I, I did that for months at a time. I, I have been in a month at a time for a timeout recently for TikTok, which I needed to get off my phone. And, and I, I have a pretty healthy relationship with everything else in that I don't really look at it at all ever. But I will tell you, if you ever need an Instagram break again, you can set up an autoresponder for DMs. Which oh. I could not figure out how to do it. You've got to go through Facebook to do it. And I had my assistant do it for me. And my wife absolutely hates it because she likes to send me, you know, funny things on Instagram. And she always gets the autoresponder that says, you know, I'm sorry, I'm t- on a social media break, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, <laughs> but it's there. And that really made me feel less guilty because I do get reached out to a lot on Instagram as well. Yeah. And then I, yeah. Okay. I, I actually get a lot of uh, DMs on Twitter, on not so much on Twitter, but on definitely on Instagram. And then I, I also um, get a lot of emails, just like whether they're emails about, you know, can you come and do this event or can you, you know, I loved your book and I read it. And um, and I used to be really d- good and diligent about answering all the emails, but I don't have an assistant. And unfortunately, it's like I, between parenting, um, you know, making time for myself, being a high school teacher and then trying to write books. And I, I, I actually recently wrote a play that was uh, in production. Oh. Um, oh, that's amazing. I, thank you. I, I got really bad about responding to, to people. And I felt terrible because I know how much it means when like, whenever I reach out yes. to authors that I'm fangirling over that I'm like, it's so amazing when they write back. But uh, I was like, I'm not going to give myself a hard time about this. If I can, I'll go back and answer months old emails, but sometimes I'm just not going to get to the email. I, and for anyone who has tried to email me, whoever's listening to this, I'm really sorry. I read it and I loved what you said. Um, I'm trying to work on just having, living a more, uh, a, a more balanced life. That's all. We, we are the same person. I believe um, I have this incredible <laughs> autoresponder <laughs> on my email, which says basically, I love you so much. And here's some ways, you know, that you can look into what I'm doing. But also if you've sent me a nice email, 
it has touched me to the bottom of my heart and soul and I will respond someday, but that may be in six months from now. And I always, I have a practice of always responding to every email I get with a like, thank you so much. That meant so much. Like eventually I will respond personally, but that takes all responsibility and, and guilt off my shoulders. Cause it'll be that's as nice. long as it yeah. takes for me to get through yeah. it. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I should probably do that. Um, I, I used to have a column that I wrote for the Toronto star, which is mm. Canada's largest paper. Yeah. And it was a, it was a bi-weekly call column. I wrote about, it, it was like a funny column about, about my life, about, uh, being a parent to another well, teenager. So much mail. I got so much mail every week, every time there was a column and, you know, depending on sometimes the columns are a little bit more, um, you know, scandalous, a little bit more con, con, uh, oh my God, it's the word. I can't think of the word. Yeah. That's it's it. Late, it's late your time. <laughs> uh, and other times they weren't. And I got, and I, I used to respond all the time because I was so excited, but then there was just a deluge. <laughs> so yeah, so most, I, I try to be good about it, but I'm also not going to give myself a hard time about, good. you know, not good. I love that may I ask you what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it uh so I have a couple of different answers for this I've been trying to read a lot more um I really loved this book by uh god uh it's it's the title is this is how you lose the time war and it's a novella yeah I'm sure you you've heard of it Amal El Motar and uh she's actually from from Ottawa I didn't realize that which is so cool yeah, and Max Gladstone, and I think he's American. So Canadian and American got together and wrote. It's a novella. It's it's kind. Of, I think it's straddling a little bit short, short novel, which is a novella, but it's a little bit longer than a novella. It's over two hundred pages, but it's just so beautiful. I, I mean, people. I kept hearing about it everywhere, and I was like, okay, it's got it's on my TBR, and I finally had some time to to read it. And it's just you can tell that there that Amal is definitely a poet because I, uh, I looked her up, mm. and I don't know if Max is as well, but the 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 fantastical backdrop of this like dystopian kind of time war that's being fought between these two secret agents who seem to be (laughs) just like amazing killers, but also capable of writing such exquisite love letters to each other. Uh, As I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. As a romance writer, it was just like that, like every line would make me stop and be like, Oh my God, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why it was a novella because they didn't <laughs> <even> survive. <laughs> <laughs> it was gorgeous. I really, really enjoyed it. And then I'm having a little bit of a, a sci-fi kick. I also uh, listened to the audiobook of uh, the Murderbot uh, books by Martha Wells. So the first, the I think it's book number three or four. I can't remember. It's called Rogue Protocol. Yeah. Also novellas. So I guess I'm yeah. also on a novella kick. And uh, I, I listened to the audiobook of that. And uh, if you haven't picked up Martha Wells. Uh, everyone just nicknames the series a murder bot series. The it's a very voicey, funny uh, series about this like just super annoyed uh, AI uh, sentient being who just thinks humans are just idiots, and then keeps getting pulled into like trying to save all the humans around him, even though he hates everybody. Uh, and I, it, it's so funny to me to read the series as 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 writers living in the age of AI, when we're like, oh my God, AI is coming for all of our creative jobs. When really, if AI ever actually became anything more than what it is, which is like a glorified Google, um, I know I shouldn't say that and I probably don't understand what AI is, but uh, you know, at this point they're, you know, um, but but if AI ever really gained that the kind of sentience that Martha Wells is talking about, this is what they would want to do. They would just want to watch content and be left alone by everyone, like the rest of us. And I think it's hilarious. It's a great metaphor for what's going on in the world right now. So yeah, I, I highly recommend that one too. 
Have you, um, speaking of novellas and and AI and robots and things, have you read the um, Monk and Robot series by Becky Chambers? I haven't. Oh, no. Oh, Today. should I? Oh, yeah, okay. there's two novellas in it so far. Um, okay. If you just Google Becky Chambers, Monk and Robot, those are, I think, it, I can't remember the name of the first or the second book. They're beautiful titles. And they are short stories about a tea monk who meets a robot far off in the future. And they wander around having a friendship. And it is it's comfort. It's just pure Ooh. comfort. But things actually okay. happen. Um, I think you'll really, really, really okay. love them. I cannot it's, wait for the third. The author again, Rebecca. Uh, Becky Chambers. Becca Becky Chambers. Okay, I'm going to look Thank you. Robot. Oh, oh, you'll thank me. Okay. You'll thank me. I know you will. Thank you. Uh, awesome. Okay. Can you please tell us about your most recent book? And let's go with the one that's coming out soon. Uh, tell us sure. I actually, I, I so my my two books came out in close proximity. So if you don't mind, I'll tell mention me both. both. Yes. Um, the book that I wrote on my own is um, called Much Ado About Nada, and it's of course a play on the Shakespearean play Much Ado About Nothing. But it is actually a second chance romance inspired by Jane Austen's Persuasion, uh, and the main character's name is Nada, which is a popular name in a whole bunch of different cultures, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's just really angsty and romantic. And then my book that's coming out in Canada on October 3rd, and I think in the United States and elsewhere around the world at the end of September, September 26th and the 28th, is called Three Holidays and a Wedding. I wrote it with the Toronto-based writer Marissa Stapley, and it's based, it's set in the year 2000 when this is a real thing that happened, when um, the Muslim month of Ramadan, uh, Hanukkah, and Christmas all happened in December. And uh, it's basically, think of every single Hollywood um, and Hollywood holiday rom-com slash Hallmark movie rom-com uh, that's set in, in Christmas. It all happens in our book, except it's about the three faiths instead of just the one. I love that. I will be absolutely picking that up. Thank Where you. Where can we find you? out there on the um lately instagram. i've been yeah instagram <laughs> it's uh, at uzma jalaladeen my first name last name i'm on twitter at uzma writes and you can always email me uh i'm at uzma uh, jalaladeen at outlook.com uh or uzma j writes at gmail.com and it may take uzma a minute to get back to you but that's okay but i read everything <laughs> so it just everything. takes me a while <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. It was, my, it was an absolute delight to have you on the show today. Likewise. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.